Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to episode 252 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we talk with our regular contributor, our resident philosopher, farmer and winemaker, Almighty Todd. And we discuss with the Almighty 2017, a bit of a reflective conversation. We also focus on some of the key players, people, actions, and such. And we look forward to 2018 as well. Great conversation with Almighty Todd on today's program. We also have an EW essay by yours truly titled Champion and another beautifully crafted and wonderfully read essay by our associate producer and resident essayist, Dr. Michael Pavis, Uncle Cesare, a.k.a., written by Charles Lamb, titled New Year's Eve. And we have a poem called Fear 2. And all of this, as is always the case, will be ensconced, infused, imbued with a wonderful energy and sound by several great tunes. Let's get to it. Episode 252 of Troubadours and Tours.
Cause of Pizza Hut Now it's all covered with daisies You got it, you got it I miss the honky tongs Dairy Queens and 7-Elevens You got it, you got it And as things fell apart Nobody paid much attention You got it Champion. Solzhenitsyn wasn't beaten in a metaphysical way. He blessed the prison in the Soviet Union for helping keep his soul from fading away. Another example of the extraordinary potential we humans can learn to display. Drawing from deep sources, rebelling and nurturing our better selves rather than succumbing to obey. Along the grain cut especially toward collective disjointed spiritual disarray by those of us who do not believe in courage or trust in love and justice, but instead heed the selfish call of our basest instincts and passed on fears we will all suffer if we are here long enough and openly, truly embrace life and ourselves. But only through the whole can we sense and exist as a person fully alive until our story might be transcribed by our progeny and witnesses. By our efforts and deeds and work, emotion, humility, compassion, wisdom, kindness, and yes, once again, I mention love. What else but these should one cultivate, share, and champion?
Almighty Todd, is that you? Ah, uh, yes. Is that you, E.W. E. Conundrum Kloss? <laughs> Kloss. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> it's past. Christmas is past, my young oh, urchin. Uh, the 12 days of Christmas. We, we have the extra Christmas decorations that uh, stay up. There's always the... Um, there's a, certain, there's a certain lobby at home that wants them to stay up uh, farther into the year, but I try to put the pressure on around uh, Epiphany. Yeah, well, and there's Russian Christmas, too, which is, I think, January 7th or 8th or something like that. Oh, well, maybe that's what we'll move our our official date to. Yeah, yeah, you should. I mean... Well, no, I not mean, us. I think, uh, you know, the U.S. might consider doing that. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. You know, Trump has been put, you know, pressure has been put on him by Putin to do so. You're no right. No pressure. No pressure. You're the pressure. Yeah. Yeah. We are the people, the proletariat. Uh-huh. We're getting started so, off in a bitter, cynical way, aren't we? <laughs> it's nice to have you back on the program, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Almighty Todd, our resident philosopher on Troubadours and Rock On Tours, as well as, oh, he's many things. He's a farmer. He's a winemaker. Uh, he dabbles in a lot of areas. Uh, he's a polymath, too. I would say. So today we're going to talk with this go around. We're going to talk with the Almighty about uh, his reflections on 2017. And uh, we're also going to identify some significant people, groups, events, good and bad of 2017. And then we'll look ahead to 2018. So let's start with your reflection on 2017. Well, 2017. Uh, personally, it's been an interesting year of some, um, you know, just things moving forward at a better pace than in the past, just on personal projects and things like that. So I've been kind of happy in that regard. I think overall, though, 2017 has been uh, a year of disruption, to say the least. I think that um, disruption of normative behavior for good and for bad. Uh, and I think that I, I have this feeling that even though we like to turn the clock after January 1st and start start anew, I feel like there's a kind of a movement, a wave here that will probably continue through 2018. And it would be foolhardy of me to predict for myself otherwise in terms of expectations. But, uh, yeah, I think norms have been busted pretty significantly this year, not just, uh, you know, on the political ethical side, which we've discussed previously, but culturally, um, some really important norms have been uh, challenged and maybe breaking down. And, you know, one of them I point to, uh, obviously, time picked as the person of the year, the, the silence breakers and women standing up against sexual assault. And it, there's been uh, a pretty remarkable rise of people speaking out about things that they have experienced in the past, things that they're experiencing now. And I feel like something that has been kept quiet or kept in personal conversations for a long time is now being pushed out into the light. And I think that that's probably a, in general a good thing, but it is disruptive and it's a little bit chaotic. And I think uh, we're going to need to take 2018 to kind of sort out uh, where things fall on a spectrum because I feel like there's we're still in kind of a black and white phase right now. 
And then I think about in terms of politics and ethics that so much of what we have uh, expected, or at least I have expected from government, I'm now finding out is built – has been built on individual ethical behavior and group ethical behavior and standards that are set from within an organization for um, – how can I say, either transparency or um, credibility of behavior. And I feel like most of those norms have been either ignored or bypassed by uh, not just the current executive branch, but what's been happening in our, our legislature, our federal legislature, and may even begin to change in our judiciary. So I think politically we're seeing um, a push against what many of us have come to believe as progress in terms of uh, equality, egalitarianism, justice, and that uh, there's been a pretty significant effort to undermine that. And I don't see as much pushback visibly from within the institutions as I would have thought there would have been. So, um, again, I say there's, there's disruption all around us. So I think 2018 is going to be either continued chaotic disruption or a making sense of the disruption in such a way that it can be navigated. So some of the disruption, like the light being shown on sexual abuse of women or power plays by heterosexual men and actually gay men too in some areas uh, against people through sexual aggression uh, or using sexual aggression as sort of uh, uh, a deal maker or breaker as as and that's a good thing that the the light has been shown on that uh, sort of I guess far uh, or often experienced uh, behavior in our society for forever, uh, really. And the bad disruption, I think you just mentioned, was the the ethical uh, behavior and, and the sense of justice and egalitarianism in in government and its institutions. That's not we're going backwards in, in some ways. Well, I think we're going backwards in some ways there, but there are certainly um, a number of my fellow Americans who actually voted for disruption to happen. You know, the swamp. Drain, they, the, drain the swamp. Well, I, I, they may have said that, but I don't think the swamp's been drained exactly. No. It, it, or if it was drained, it was filled with the raw sewage because <laughs> the because re, the regulations were lifted on the uh, on that probably. Um, but they wanted things to get shook up. It's almost which, adolescent, though. It's adolescent. It is because it's it, it's you know it's lacking in policy. It's lacking in ideas. It's just uh, it's just you know chaos for chaos's sake because that'll be better than the the institutionalized problems we have now. But is uh, again uh, just to go back because you're you're really starting in, to incite me with uh, your your very uh, clear. And I believe accurate analysis. Uh, you know those folks that wanted to shake things up 
turn everything upside down. Again, these are people that are in, in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s who act like they're 12. When they look at the, the world and society, they don't understand or don't care to, to delve into the complexities of the different uh, segments of our communities, our, 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 our country, and all of the issues surrounding the states of these different groups. And also they don't, they don't dispel myths that exist. They believe them and are easily manipulated by divisive uh, tactics so that those in power can continue through division to keep their power. And that upsets me, uh, as you can hear in my tone. Well, they put I, yeah. in a, a total imbecile who is serving self while telling those who put him in that he's serving them and they continue to support him, even though it's clear by what he's done in just a year and what and though and with the, what uh, those who are in the Republican Congress are taking advantage of, given they have control of all three uh, branches of government, uh, that they are not going to help those folks who want to drain the swamp, yet they still continue to support those folks who, who are, are, are really taking advantage of their, their lack of diligence with regard to research and analysis and understanding of what's going on in our country and how our country works. Right, but they're expressing their freedom by deciding not to be diligent. So that's okay then? As long well, as they say it's based on freedom, it's okay? We just give them a pass? Well, you know, I, they're, they're free to be, uh, well, they're free to, to be without uh, any basis for uh, decision-making that has grave, important ramifications for years to come. Just because they're free, they're all right to do that because we say we're free. Again, that's adolescent. Oh, it is. I know, but that's, you know, like Paul Ryan saying, well, people have been freed from the yoke of uh government mandates and so if they don't want to have to have life insurance excuse me health insurance they don't need to and they're and they're they are living in a freer society because of that you know which for i i feel like is a pretty twisted way of seeing things but that's an example of the more global perspective i mean in terms of holistic perspective that you just articulated that yeah there is a certain segment that they wanted things to be shook up but they either not capable or not willing to go through the cost-benefit analysis of what are the consequences and repercussions of things being shaken up. I mean, it's like, okay, your house has some problems. There are some windows that are cracked or not opening correctly, and there are some doors that don't shut properly, and the kitchen stove is on the fritz. So is the answer to just bring a a bulldozer in and knock it down and then start over. But what do you build it from? Or do you go about fixing the things that you can identify are problems that everyone can agree upon are problems and look at, you know, common solutions, you know, commonly arrived at solutions to, to fix those things. There's th th this very, uh, kind of, uh, dulled wit, aspect of the way we approach things and i think it's because as we've talked about before we we as a society consume so much media and we're we're really always on the uh the pull end of things and we spend so much brain cells managing the number of inflows that i don't feel like we ever are really doing a, a very good job of contemplating the quality of those flows, how they affect our minds, how they affect our, our view, view of our world, 
how they affect our decision making processes. We're kind of like the the fire hose is just on and pouring over us. It's like standing in a shower, a hot shower for way too long. It feels great, but then you've you've dried your skin out and you've emptied the hot water heater or, or you've you've run your hot water your water bill up. All these things that you realize afterwards, oh geez, there were consequences to what I was doing. Good analogies. Uh, I don't, I'm just spitballing, but I, you know I feel like simple analogies like that are probably the only way to to put ideas out there that people can wrap their heads around sometimes. I, uh, anyways, I, without us getting too, too worked up here, no need to have a coronary right before the, the holiday, <laughs> the next holiday, as we work off all of the ham, ham or, uh, cheese or whatever the heck we've been eating for the last week. Christmas cookies out the wazoo, probably. I'm uh, living off them. Yeah. Breakfast is, you know, uh, the uh, the the chocolate biscotti or, or the uh, pepper cookies and coffee, you know. Yeah, I just got a text from home earlier today with the uh oh, out of Christmas cookies. <laughs> <laughs> now what? Detox. <laughs> I'm gonna. I got the shakes, man. <laughs> give me. I need give some, some those, I need sprinkles. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we're reflecting on 2017, and and um, you know, I, I wanted to, you to maybe have an opportunity, give you an opportunity to, to uh, identify some significant people, groups, events, good and bad, that come to mind for this past year, I, of this past year. I, you know, here's the problem is that because of the situation, I've been forced to consume a lot more news than my appetite usually uh, has room for. And I've tried to parse it and sort it out as best I can and make sense of things. And I feel like there have been so many players in, you know, individual players on the stage this year that you'd almost have to like, like pick a category and then, and then narrow it down from there because there have been a lot of interesting folks, uh, interesting, you know, kind of truly and euphemistically, um, that are, how can I say, influencing thought, well, go anywhere you want. I mean, you well, can go I, well, politics. Just, you can go, you know, uh, uh, social groups, community-minded groups, whatever you want. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, while I was thinking about this, what came across my desk this morning was the the Gallup news poll that came out today. Did you see this one? No, I did not. It's uh, the most admired Americans, um, and it was. Now, for the past uh, 10 years, Barack Obama is still the most admired American. That's great. And for the last, what, 16 years, Hillary Clinton has been the most admired woman. I mean, the most, he was the, Barack's the most admired man, and Hillary is the most admired woman. By all Americans. Well, this is a Gallup I mean, a, a majority, yeah. Yeah. yeah, although it's interesting because it's, it's a poll of like X number of people. I think it's a thousand something randomly selected probably from a larger poll. That's usually what they do is they do a pretty large poll and then they just randomly pull the an appropriate data set size out from there and use it. Um, but uh, like me, it's something like a quarter of the people that were asked couldn't come up with somebody to choose. Wow. Which kind of speaks again to my feeling of that there's this overload 
on the system right now. Um, but the point is that uh, I, I'm sure it's burning someone's chaps that uh, Obama's the most admired American. Although maybe he'll take some solace in that he's in the number two slot this year. Who's, and he's, number, who's number one? Number one was Barack Obama. Oh, you said number, he was in the number two spot. Yeah, no. Barack's in the, in the number one spot, but there's a certain individual that's in the, the number two spot who has been in the number two spot behind Obama for the last for, – for three years now. Um, 20, but, 45? 45. 45 is at only 14% on that, in this poll. So those two people you find as significant figures, even though Barack has been relatively quiet, uh, well, well, at least you're identifying them through the poll. What about, uh, I mean, what about you, though? What do you think? What do I think? Yeah, I want to know what you think. Who are the significant, some significant people, or even one event, action, whatever, that, that uh, sort of defines or has had a major impact on 2017 in your view? When you think of 2017, what are you thinking about? Um, I am thinking about the, the fact that my 401k might implode within the next six months. <laughs> so <laughs> Why is that going to happen? <laughs> well, that's a whole different uh, economics story, but it, there are market forces that are setting that, setting that up <clears throat> right now and uh, – we can talk about that at another time. Maybe in two months, we'll see how much closer we are to it with the indicators. But okay, I would say then if if you're going to talk about somebody, it's somebody who's been in the news a lot, but you haven't heard from at all. He hasn't said anything really. He doesn't do press conferences. Who's this? His team does not leak information. It's Mueller time. Ah. Ah, uh, Mueller. Yes, I, I'm. Uh, I, this it's kind of an enigma, this little puzzle, that's both being built and being sorted out inside of an office, uh, in D.C., where a lifelong Republican um, that has basically been in service to the nation his entire adult life is engaged in an investigative process like none we've seen before in in the modern era of this country. You think it's bigger than Watergate? I do believe it's bigger than Watergate because of, it has many more tentacles than Watergate did. And... The fact that there is so much stonewalling of the investigation and this active uh, PR campaign to undermine this investigation that we should all want to get to the bottom of because what it's supposed to be looking into is how Russian intervention may have affected the U.S. election. That's a pretty broad general statement, and -hmm. I would say that most Americans should want to know if that's in play. I mean, the Kremlin today just made an announcement that they're concerned that the U.S. is going to interfere in their upcoming elections. <laughs> What's that all about? <laughs> uh, it's, that's uh, that's uh, Vlad trying to uh, come up with a resounding victory despite the influence of 
our enemy across the water. Yeah. There's the, you know, the smoke and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors. You are listening to Troubadours and Rock on Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. You got it. Um, so anyways, I, I would say yes. I think when we look back, what the Miller investigation exposes to the light, I think will either in totality be nearly earth-shaking for this country. Um, and it's going to be disruptive. It's knowledge that's going to be disruptive. And again, it's going to be our job to figure out how to to deal with that and the, the, the repercussions of that. I by no means think that the investigation should end. But on the uh, other hand, there it's there's a distinct possibility that maybe because of his stature and what he represents that when it all comes out in the end and if he says well there's really nothing to this then we're going to have to deal with the repercussions of that as well but i think that that's a pretty far-fetched end of a spectrum and that we're already seeing fruits of the labor so my guess is we aren't going to just wind up with a couple of rat pelts nailed to the wall the ones that have been identified so far in the pleadings. So we're, what are we going to end up with? The, uh, the, the main of the lion of the alpha. I, uh, yeah, well, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, visual there. <laughs> it is orange. If it's a, yeah, if it's a comb over, um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like there, there may be some move along the way to figure out how to come to a conclusion without completely upending things. Our country, our government. Yeah, exactly. Even though, you know, I would say that at this point, the norms of government are in tatters. Right. So It's, it's not the FBI him. that's in tatters, as was recently claimed. Uh, the normative process of government is in tatters. And, you know, I think we made a big leap forward. I mean, not a complete leap, but a big leap forward during the Bush administration in terms of transparency into what cabinet officials with people at the secretary level uh, were doing in terms of where they were going to be, their schedule of events, where they were going to show up so that reporters could be there. Um, the Obama administration continued that, although not for all departments, like the Department of Energy doesn't ever really tell you where the Secretary of Energy is going to be. Maybe that's for security reasons. But um, we are now at a time where that has all stopped. There are no calendars being produced anymore. And you can get hold of the calendar after the fact with a Freedom of Information Act request. Hmm. Yeah, so, so it is in tatters. It is in tatters. Yeah. And if, if someone came up to uh, the executive branch and said, listen, we have very damaging information that I don't think you can explain away, you need to resign. We need to resign to help save this country from the tumult that if we pull you through the ringer, it will certainly cause. Uh, he probably will say no. It, it's fake news. Maybe, but then the again... The FBI is corrupt. How many thousands of, uh, I think it's on the order of 4,000 or so plus lawsuits that he's been involved in? He's settled. Yeah. Yeah, one way or another, he's settled. Um, yeah. Right up to the one, you know, a fraud, a fraud settlement 
right leading up to the inauguration. With, but this with, is his reputation. University. This is his reputation at an international level, and that would hurt his business his, uh, and for his offspring if he truly cares about them. I don't know. I yeah. think he's a narcissist. I don't think he really cares about anybody unless it directly affects him. But uh, it's his reputation. Uh, where, where, you know, if he resigns, he's basically saying, I'm bad, I'm no good, I'm a failure. And I don't know that he could deal with that. Anyway. Yeah. Do you think, you think that the Mueller investigation is the, one of the biggest things of 2017? And you think it's, it's going to come to, uh, it's not going to be uh, a simple, easy conclusion that is, uh, or set of conclusions that is drawn from it. No, I don't think so. And, you know, I, I think that's the thing with special investigations like this is that they do tend to, because they're given room to operate, they tend to go places that they weren't initially intended. Um, sometimes they fall down to the, the least thing that you can find to, to nail something with, a la what starts out as a, a real estate deal winds up being, uh, a, you know, a, a, yeah, it winds up being uh, lying about an extramarital affair. Right, or, or you get Al Capone on uh, tax evasion. Exactly. Right. Now, uh, what about how, how do we look forward then to 2018? What are you looking forward to? We only have a couple of minutes, so we've got to move to that. Uh, uh, Almighty Todd here in Troubadours and Rock on Tours. I've all, I always enjoy our conversations and your analysis. It's fantastic. So 2018, what are you looking forward to? Uh, I am looking forward to a scant hope that some of some of us will be able to kind of speak to our better angels and learn how to how can i say uh manage the information that we're dealing with maybe even reduce it a little bit if that makes it easier to manage but i know so many people that are really on high anxiety right now because they find themselves up late at night having arguments on the internet on Facebook with people over policy issues and things like that and I feel like we're there's still a in in this year we've kind of been in the throes of it of this big change that we've been through but I'm hoping that in general things will begin to settle down a little bit that the platforms will st- begin to start identifying more uh, readily items of information that are more or less credible. And I hear that that's in the works. I'm hoping that individuals will take the time to take a deep breath and before they engage with somebody, if it's not in person, it's not somebody they know or somebody they've been introduced to and somebody they're talking to in the flesh, to number one, know that there's a human on the other end. And what I mean by that is first check who it is that you think you're discussing something with and see if they're a real person or not. Because I think we're burning a lot of calories on discussing things with robots. AI is at a point where it can carry on conversations and people don't know that they're talking to a robot. Artificial intelligence to me when you say AI. Yes, yeah, AI, artificial intelligence. So number one, know that you're talking to a person before you spend any calories on it. And then number two, recognize that it is a human being on the other end of the line. And with all all of us with our graces and flaws, need to figure out how to treat one another with respect. And 
if we can't talk on the level playing field like that, you need to disengage from the conversation. I mean, this is somewhat what I'm looking forward to for myself as a check and balance in my own um, behaviors. But recognize that people do have different viewpoints, but also know the limits of, inter- of these interactions. Chances are nobody is going to change anybody else's mind over the internet in an uh, argument. So I'm hoping that level heads are going to begin to prevail, both individually and, and culturally, because the current fervor can't continue and have things go in a, in a positive direction. It just leads – it's going to lead towards more chaos, and that just hurts all of us, our society, our nation as a whole. Well put, Almighty Todd. Thank you so much for taking time out to talk with us. Yet again, our resident philosopher, farmer, winemaker, regular contributor, Almighty Todd here in Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Buon anno, amico, fratello. Cheers. Take care. You too, brother. Ciao. Ciao. From New Year's Eve, an essay by Charles Lamb. Every man hath two birthdays, two days at least in every year, which set him upon revolving the lapse of time as it affects his mortal duration. The one is that which, in an especial manner, he termeth his. In the gradual dissuetude of old observances, this custom of solemnizing our proper birthday hath nearly passed away or is left to children, who reflect nothing at all about the matter, nor understand anything in it beyond cake and orange. But the birth of a new year is of an interest too wide to be predetermined by king or cobbler. 
No one ever regarded the 1st of January with indifference. It is that from which all date their time and count upon what is left. It is the nativity of our common Adam. Of all sound, of all bells, bells, the music nighest bordering upon heaven, most solemn and touching is the peal which rings out the old year. I never hear it without, without a gathering up of my mind to a concentration of all the images that have been diffused over the past twelve month. All I have done or suffered, performed or neglected, in that regretted time. I begin to know its worth, as when a person dies. It takes a personal color, nor was it a poetical flight in a contemporary when he exclaimed, I saw the skirts of the departing year. It is no more than what in sober sadness every one of us seems to be conscious of in that awful leave-taking. I am sure I felt it, and all felt it with me, last night. Though some of my companions affected rather to manifest an exhilaration at the birth of the coming year than any very tender regrets for the decrease of the predecessor. But I am none of those who welcome the coming, speed the parting guest. I am naturally, beforehand, shy of novelties, new books, new faces, new years, from some mental twist which makes it difficult in me to face the perspective I have almost ceased to hope, and am sanguine only in the prospects of other, former years. I plunge into foregone visions and conclusions. I encounter pell-mell with past disappointments. I am armor-proof against old discouragements. I forgive, or overcome in fancy, old adversaries. I play over again for love, as the gamesters phrase it. Games for which I once paid so dear. I would scarce now have any of those untoward accidents and events of my life reversed. I would no more alter them than the incidents of some well-contrived novel. Methinks it is better that I should have pined away seven of my goldenest years when I was thrall to the fair hair and fairer eyes of Alice W., then that so passionate a love adventure should be lost. Sun and sky and breeze and solitary walks and summer holidays and the greenness of fields and the delicious juices of meats and fishes and society and the cheerful glass and candlelight and fireside conversations and innocent vanities and jests an irony itself. Do these things go out with life? Can a ghost laugh or shake his gaunt sides when you are pleasant with him? And you, my midnight darlings, my folios, must I part with the intense delight of having you, huge armfuls, in my embraces? Must knowledge come to me, if it come at all, by some awkward experiment of intuition? and no longer by this familiar process of reading? Shall I enjoy friendships there, wanting the smiling indications which point me to them here, the recognizable face 
the sweet assurance of a look. For what satisfaction hath a man that he shall lie down with kings and emperors in death, who in his lifetime never greatly coveted the society of such bedfellows? Or, forsooth, that so shall the fairest face appear, why, to comfort me, must Alice W. be a goblin? More than all, I conceive disgust at those impertinent and misbecoming familiarities inscribed upon your ordinary tombstones. Every dead man must take upon himself to be lecturing me with his odious truism that, such as he is now, I must shortly be. Not so shortly, friend, perhaps, as thou imaginest. In the meantime, I am alive. So hard and cold froze ten feet beneath the ground Don't murder me I beg of you Don't murder me Please don't murder me I sat down to my supper Was a bottle of red whiskey I said my prayers And went to bed That's the last they saw of me don't hurt me I beg of you Don't hurt me Please don't hurt me When I awoke the diable Six hundred pounds of sin Was grinning at my window All I said was Come on in Don't murder me I beg of you don't hurt me Please don't hurt me The wolf came in, I got my cards We sat down for a game I cut my deck to the queen of spades But the cards were all the same Don't murder me I beg of you, don't murder me Don't murder me Black and bloody mud The dying wolf Collects his due While the boys sing Round the fire Don't murder me I beg of you Don't murder me Please don't murder me Don't murder me I beg of you Don't murder me Of you don't murder me. Please 
fear. My dear, fear is always so near as I work hard to steer this body and soul. What is the goal, a half century at this point, in the making? To keep myself and those connected from snaking into an abyss of loathing, weakness of character, and instead toward courageous, thoughtful, love-centered hope and laughter, substance and light on our toes, dancing, walking with eyes deep and shining bright, romancing. Stars are just like little fish. You should learn when to go. You should learn how to say no.
And there you have it, episode 252 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our resident philosopher, farmer and winemaker, good friend, regular contributor, almighty Todd. Wonderful to talk with you up there in Stockbridge, Vermont. Hope you're keeping warm. I also like to thank Uncle Cesare, our associate producer, also known as Dr. Michael Pavis, for sharing the great essay by Charles Lamb. I also like to thank these musical artists, Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, The Talking Heads, The Cure, Daniel Romano, The Grateful Dead, Hole, Brantford Marsalis, and Terence Blanchard too. Here's to a wonderful 2018. I hope all is well, and I wish the best to all of you. Until next week, enjoy this one. <laughs>